Welcome to the XA Podcast, the show that brings together the people that foster inclusive innovation across Southeast Asia. My name is Belinda Ong, and I am the Managing Director of the XA Network. Every episode, one of XA's members will lead a fireside chat or panel discussion with other members, founders, or investors that have shaped the tech ecosystem in this vibrant region. If you like what we have to say, please follow or subscribe to our show. And do remember to tell your friends and rate us five stars so others like you can find and benefit from all of our great content. Show notes are linked in the episode description and you'll find notes and additional resources there. Welcome to another episode of the People and Talent series of the XA podcast where we bring together business leaders, people experts, and career growth specialists to share their insights and views on the latest talent trends with an emphasis on the startup ecosystem in the Southeast Asia region. We bring ideas, trends, innovations, and expert viewpoints to help our listeners learn more about the opportunities and pitfalls in the people space. So, whether you're a startup founder, industry leader, people manager, or a job seeker, our series has something for you. My name is Sergio Salvador, and I am your host for the People and Talent series. In my day-to-day work, I lead the people team at Carson, an e-commerce platform that provides efficient vehicle buying and selling services to individuals, dealers, and entities with a workforce of 5,000 amazing Carsomers. And now, on to today's episode. All right, welcome to this episode of the People and Talent series for the XA podcast. And today, my guest is someone that I used to work with a couple of lifetimes ago and that I am very, very excited to welcome to the program. DM Prasad, or DMP, as he's known in professional circles, is an executive coach, transformational HR leader, and a talent and culture strategist with expertise in leading a scale transformation, building and scaling organizations and functions, and shaping and nurturing cultures, and careers. He's currently the Senior Director for Strategy, People, and Organization with the Government Technology Agency Singapore, otherwise called GovTech. Prasad, welcome to the program. Thank you, Sergio. It's always a pleasure to see you and chat with you. Fantastic. And uh, maybe just to get started, why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself so that our listeners can get to know you better? Again, thank you for uh, having me. And it's always a pleasure to be associated with anything Google and XA in some ways uh, is too. So Sergio, you did cover a little bit of my professional background earlier, so won't get too much into it. Uh, you can always find out more on LinkedIn. I'm originally from uh, Bangalore and Singapore's home for 14 years now. An engineer by my basic qualification an HR and OD professional by choice, and a practicing exec coach by my calling, and just a very grateful soul seeking experiences and striving to make a difference to touch people's lives. My strongest identity has always been that of a father, friend, and a coach. Fantastic. I'm already inspired by your, your self-introduction, and I'm looking forward to hearing a lot more of your thoughts and your philosophy right, uh, around that. But first Thank of you. all, first of all, I, I find that sometimes there, there seems to be a little bit of um, confusion or perhaps of uh, lack of knowledge about what GovTech is all about. Right? What, what is GovTech? Especially coming right after the pandemic, I'd be surprised if a lot of people still have questions about what GovTech is, but yeah, <laughs> let, me, let me take that. We are a very interesting organization formed in 2016 in its current avatar 
and yet our roots going back to 1981 and the setup of National Computer Board. We are the leading tech agency for Singapore government with a focus on building and strengthening the Singapore government's internal engineering and digital capabilities. We empower the whole of government or WOG as we call it here to centrally design, develop and deliver digital services that are built for our citizens and businesses immediate needs. We also play a very pivotal role in Singapore's continued smart nation journey. We harness the power of technology to catalyze this transformation of Singapore into a smart nation and drive digital transformation within the public sector. Thank you for the explanation and I've been lucky enough myself of course to uh, get to know GovTech relatively well over the last few years. Be very lucky and I was always very impressed about it and the work that the that the company I guess does. And I could imagine many other governments looking at you guys and thinking, hey, I want one of those. And, I, <laughs> and I, I always found it's a very pioneering type of company kind of created by the Singapore government. But let's go back. Let's go back to you. Let's talk about your personal journey, which is uh, you bring a lot of experience in the people space. But that experience, especially originally, was more focused on MNCs, corporations, you know, to a certain extent, large, fairly large companies. And then you became an entrepreneur. You, you went almost the other way by creating your own business, focused on development, growth, coaching specifically. And in the last few years, you have been in a public agency, I guess. Right? How would you describe that part of, the, of, of your journey? What, what led you to, to all of those very different spaces? And, and how did you fare in the transitions? It's a very interesting question, Sergio. Uh, before before I share about my transition from private private sector to public sector, I I want to uh, change a phrase that you used. You said I started my own business. It, uh, coaching is so sacrosanct and so yeah, so much of a calling. Like I said, I've always called it my coaching practice. I don't call it my business at all. <laughs> so there, there is I associate that with something of a higher calling, if you will. It again, you know, the question that you asked, I, I do get asked this question a lot. And technically speaking, you know, like like you summarized, I left Google in 2018 and started my own exec coaching and talent advisory practice. So the transition wasn't necessarily from a private sector to a public sector. In those year and a half that I was uh, with Noetic Step, uh, that's, that's my uh, coaching practice. I would often tell people that I was living my dream and that's exactly what I wanted to do. And there was a curveball. And I was tapped on the shoulder for an opportunity to serve with the public service and an opportunity that was too good to pass. So here I am, about uh, three years into GovTech. But I had spent 12 years at Google, coached a lot of, and in my 18 months coaching practice had given me a platform to work with leaders and leadership teams across industries, across the region, and to work with people who were not necessarily similar to Googlers. Mm -hmm. And that was a brilliant experience. I think that experience helped me settle in very well at GovTech. So that was number one. Number two, the leadership uh, team at GovTech, you know, the, uh, the people that I have the honor of working with day in, day out. I report to the chief executive of GovTech. And he's one of the most transparent leaders that I have ever come across. They're transparent to a fault. So I walked in with my eyes, ears, and mind open about what I was getting into. There was definitely a period of adjustment, but I would say that happens even if we are changing roles in the same organization that we've been in. And the third one, always speak about the importance of understanding the context. I, mm -hmm. I think I put that to practice myself. Mm -hmm. So I was intentional about understanding the context, listen more than I, sh I spoke, and was I would never forget that it was going to be a longitudinal journey. I think most importantly, summing it all up, it was really the mindset 
that I put into practice and then the shift in mindset about how I wanted to approach this and being intentional about it. And of course, supported by lovely people around. Now, that's really what's helped me in each of these transitions. I've been truly blessed by some wonderful colleagues, leaders, uh, mentors, coaches, and peers that I've often kind of uh, reached out to uh, to bounce ideas off. I mean, I remember speaking to you several times as well. So you're, you're very much in that list, uh, Sergio. Well, thank so you. That's, thank that's, you been my, that. that's been my trick for uh, transformations from each role to another. Thank you, Prasad. So that's, uh, that's also very inspirational. And I think you're touching a couple of topics that I would love to cover a little bit, uh, a little bit later in more detail. Uh, the topics sure. of perhaps of, uh, well, change, right? adaptability, and perhaps the topic, the topic of culture. Right, which I'm also very Absolutely. passionate about myself. But I think before before we get to that point, I always love to ask a question about, I'm, I'm a great believer right, that we learn when we face difficulties. And I was wondering, you know, with that experience that you bring, all those years of MNCs, very large companies, your own coaching practice, and also the last few years in GovTech, what has been the most challenging, the most difficult project that you had to manage? And what was the story around it? What did you learn from it? That's a really hard question, Sergio, for the simple <laughs> reason that I just, you know, hand on heart, I just can't pick one project. <laughs> uh, there are several, you know, that, that's that's what uh, about 20, 23, 24 years in, mm. in, in uh, service uh, and in the people and organization space does to you. And I've I've been in the middle of some really challenging projects at uh, Infosys and Google with Noitic Step and now at GovTech. But if I were to kind of really anchor it on on an archetype rather than naming a particular project, I would often say that anything that was at the intersection of people, culture, and transformation, any of these or all three together was always special. It challenged me enough to keep me up at nights and was exciting enough to, you know, get me out of bed first thing in the morning, primarily because, you know, we're dealing with mindsets, we're dealing with mostly longitudinal work. It's not a fly-by-night, it's not instant gratification that you get. And then, and then you're, you're leaving a significant change, you're moving from point A to point B, where you know point B is better than point A. So I've often been challenged by, but also been excited about anything that was in the intersection of people, transformation and culture. Understood. Understood. So you were talking about the, the length of your experience, your 23, 24 years, right? In essentially different aspects of the of the people and talent space. And I'm wondering, right? And this is going to be another difficult question. I hope no, no one promised this would be, you would be getting easy questions from me. But the, <laughs> the, I'm very curious to know, right? If you had the chance to distill all of that experience into one thought, right? I'm wondering if you have found the one truth about people and talent that you have learned in your career. Can I share two? One is an overall learning and uh, one is uh, with specific regard to roles as a leader. Mm-hmm. And in, in some ways, it, it it's organizationally or functionally, a lot of them are leaders. So I'll start with the first one. I'll quote Laszlo Bock here and, you know, Mm-hmm. Any one of us who spent time in Google know who the legend is. The man, the legend. Uh, and this is, the, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And it, the one belief that we had even at Google, and it, I'm sure you would remember this, Sergio, you would always say that if you give people freedom, they'll amaze you. I think that, that's my biggest takeaway. And that can manifest in different ways. It, uh, you know, it, it can't be, there can't be a bigger truth than that. And as a leader, one of my biggest learnings and then you know, continue to practice as well is it's absolutely important that we know when to lead, when to be led, and when to get out of the way. 
think if if we can bring these two together wherever we have an influence will be a much better place <laughs> fantastic and uh, and thank you thank you for taking me back in time a few years right to our own experience in google and and listening to all of those to all of these truths about people and talent which i know you have very much taken to heart and applied as much as you could in the last few years and i think that takes us directly to the topic of culture Right. Again, something as I say, I'm very passionate about as well. And especially, you have had the opportunity to experience various types of culture. When you joined GovTech a few years ago, I guess you had the opportunity to influence the culture of the company in various ways. How did you go about it? What did you find? How has it evolved over the last few years? Um, I have to admit here that you know when when I came into GovTech, GovTech as an organization actually has a very strong set of values and therefore a culture itself. And I've always believed that we don't necessarily create culture. We define values. We hire like-minded, like-valued people. The collective behavioral manifestation of these values form the culture of the place. A couple of things that are always important is tone from the top is critical. The voice of the employees is critical, and it's a longitudinal co-creation process. And then I saw all of this happening at Gaptek. Of course, efforts in the last three years that've been here, and then this is not just me. It's a collective leadership effort. We have continued to build on our organizational capabilities based on our values of being agile, bold, and collaborative. We call it our ABC values, and we are continually striving to nurture and strengthen our learning culture, an agile culture, and a user-centric service journey culture. We've recently also, in the last about a year, a year and a half, two years. We've also worked on, as a leadership team, we've worked on defining what our leadership behaviors or leadership principles should be at Gaptek, and then you know you see a lot of lot of organizations have that as well. It was important. We had a very strong mission. We had strong values, and there thereby the culture. It is also important that you know in our evolution as an organization, we created the leadership principles mm-hmm. that will hold us all accountable as leaders in the way we show up for the organization, for the teams. and for ourselves and we are now on that journey everything coming together so that's that's been a fascinating part it's been about being a part of a transformational journey of a very interesting organization that's very exciting and and you know again we are a purpose driven organization and that will not change and that's true for uh, anyone in public service specifically gaptech as well uh, making lives better is a significant part of our mission statement and for me personally sergio always believe that the most exciting part and the most grateful part of my opportunity with Gaptech is that I have a platform to play my small part in nation building it doesn't get bigger and doesn't get more it's a very humbling experience there thank you for sharing that prasad the pandemic obviously has has affected everyone's lives personal and professional and i was wondering just on the back of my mind when you were explaining the interactions the dynamics the culture in gaptech how did the pandemic affected and how did people fare right, during the pandemic we had a very pivotal role in how singapore managed the uh, pandemic most of the tech that was used for the pandemic management was coming out of gaptech so in in some ways just just like a lot of other agencies and ministries because it was it was again village that that came together to manage the pandemic in singapore that we had a very pivotal role as well and that gave us that additional sense of responsibility gratitude and and pride it's not and just because of that it was not that it wasn't affecting us here we we had to quickly adapt to how things were changing by the day there were a few very critical learnings 
One is that there was no new normal because we were all and we are all going through a series or phases of what what mm-hmm. we can call current normals. Mm-hmm. So that's a big learning. We had to be agile. We had to be responsive. We had to listen to the employees, put their health and well-being as priority number one, and adapt on a day-to-day basis to the new ways of working, to new ways of engaging, and new ways of delivering. And and that comes with its own challenges. You know, we were we were a very we were an organization uh, which was fairly heavy on in-person meetings. So getting used to being on Skype, on Teams, mm-hmm. managing these hybrid meetings again. You know, we we started managing it. Okay, it was not about having challenges with tech once the infrastructure was there we were managing it okay but you know it it's not a preferred style so how do we get used to that how do we make sure that in a hybrid setup which is which could be in meetings or which could be in learning interventions or workshops right. how do we seamlessly integrating the physical and the virtual mm-hmm. so neither party your know, people on neither side was mm-hmm. getting left out so how do we include them so all of that was very very critical learning mm-hmm. how do we engage when we are not in front of each other manager skills was extremely essential so again like i said every day we were thinking about something we were getting the feedback and we were mm-hmm. so we scaled up engagement we scaled up engagement with the leadership team we looked at both high touch and high tech you know they could be emails going out sharing our personal experiences of what we were doing because they wanted to see that you know we were going through exactly similar ones similar experiences mm-hmm. and then you know we got them to share so we scaled up engagement right. in smaller groups specifically people who are joining us new there were there were hundreds of people who joined us when we were going through the pandemic who hadn't mm-hmm. seen the office they would come in collect their devices and mm-hmm. off they go they were working from home so how do we make sure that they're settling into the organization was good so i think every day was a learning every day was different and the fact that we had to be agile was probably the biggest requirement right. at all and how did you go so one thing about govtech right is that um, it is possibly the largest concentration of of singaporean uh, technical employees anywhere right probably as far as i know how do you go about finding those people to continue growing how do you go about uh, hiring and how much technology was something that you used or supported that effort right to create the engagement to bring additional people on board to create the right experiences for them yeah that's that's a that's an interesting question there are, there's a lot lot there i'm trying to cover everything sergio and if i've missed anything just just let me know i'll start with i'll start with hiring of course uh, you know we we uh we definitely have a strong employment brand and we don't take that for granted so we continue to kind of focus on engaging just not our gaptekis internally at also the community at large and uh the tech community we we do a lot of community engagement and then we 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 are responsible for kind of building these communities outside and then we we also focus on young talent internships and what have you so by and large our people recognizes people know us to be one of the better employers in the sector in singapore and they mm. they do come mm. to us so when we hire we need to be obviously really careful so there are about three things that we kind of focus on one is their ability to be a culture add and just not a culture fit the second one is their ability to be deep generalist so that they can perform different roles and evolve with the org it's a little bit like and again going back to our this google we used to say good for google so similarly good for govtech is what we look at here and the last one is their ability to take the role and the function to a next level so it's mm. not that we're hiring for the as in now we're hiring for someone who can be really good as in now but can also grow and grow the function along with and grow the organization along with right so that's that's what we do when it comes to hiring now 
The second aspect is how do we grow them and how do we develop them? Again, like I said, there is a very strong learning culture that we adapt in uh, GovTech. We have, uh, I mean, obviously it's a technology organization. So we have uh, developed our own competency framework for technology. So it, it covers, it's fairly broad. It covers 12 tech functional clusters, about 38 job roles in 130 odd competencies. So we've anchored all our HR processes starting from hiring all the way to development and performance and rewards on uh, the functional competency framework. So there, each each of the roles that we hire people to, they, there is a, a certain competency criteria. So mm-hmm. everyone knows and we're transparent about it. Mm-hmm. They know where they are. We hire because they fit in there. And they also know how can they grow within their roles or across their roles. We are big on talent mobility. So that's how we focus on their development. So there is a 4E model that we use. We call it a 4E model, which is education, which is training, like you and I know. There's exposure, there's experience, and there's engagement. Engagement plays a crucial role, even in development. Right. Right. So that's that's how we focus on them. And then, you know, again, for anyone being in the public service or in the tech sector, they can move to roles within GovTech or they can move to roles uh, outside GovTech within the public service. So an approach that we're taking is that we're not looking at it as a lifetime employment. We're looking at it mm-hmm. as lifetime employability. So that's an approach with which we focus on development and growth of the GovTech keys. I think, have I covered your questions? Uh, I think so the, only, I miss the, anything? the only thing I would love to hear about perhaps, right, to to round up, right, uh, would be in terms of technology, right? increasingly in the, ah. in the in the people space, I think I, we see more and more use of technology. And of course, right, this is the technology agency of Singapore. Um, how do you view the use of technology and how helpful or otherwise has been so far in your work? No, absolutely. Needless to say, tech is absolutely critical. And I'm not denying that for a moment. It With tech, uh, there are also other aspects. So it's uh, the processes are equally important. Uh, people are equally important and the programs or platforms for people are equally important too. Tech is a great enabler, Sergio. And uh, again, we, we because we are responsible for digital transformation of the government and we work with several ministries and agencies, we're also deeply aware of the fact that not everyone is in the same maturity curve. So we need to push the boundaries with people who are ahead of the curve and then bring people along if, if they are behind the curve. So there is a balance that comes in. So looking at that, the question that we ask ourselves is, are we managing tech or is tech managing us? Mm-hmm. You know, the answer to that kind of tells us what we should do and what we're doing. So there is a lot of technology that we use across the people in dog space, starting right from you know hiring to performance management, etc. We're also very mindful of uh, tech not just being overbearing and all pervasive, and we focused on other aspects as well. Right. So thank you for that. And obviously, as you can imagine, I'm also a great um, proponent of uh, use of technology to enhance and to increase the capabilities. But those of us who are in the people business, I think uh, there's always a, a common denominator that we remind ourselves often that we are in the people business and that technology is the enabler, the enabler that you're talking Absolutely. about, right? Absolutely. Uh, well said. So maybe in 30 seconds, right? Uh, some of our of uh, in our audience are perhaps founders. Many of them can be early stage founders. Would you have one or two thoughts for them uh, for when they start thinking about the, the people side of their business? Yeah. First one, hire strongly and hire right. Don't just hire for the domain skills. Every individual plays a part in building the organization and building culture. So it is going to be important. The second one is focus on the people and org issues from day one and not 
not when you hit a certain mass. Third one, to facilitate that, it's, it's important that the founders invest time themselves, but also have a strong thought partner there. And you, you can call them an HR leader, HR manager, whoever it is, but definitely have a strong thought partner who can help you journey this uh, together. Fantastic. Thank you, Prasad. Really appreciate it. And um, I always like to finish my um, my episodes uh, with a couple of questions. First of all is, would you have a book, perhaps something you have read recently that particularly influenced you that you would like to recommend to our audience? I'll do this very quickly, but let me share three, uh, mm-hmm. Sergio, three books. <laughs> One is, uh, you know, given that we're talking about the talented culture space, Work Rules by Laszlo Bock. Uh, it's it's a it's a bible for anyone who wants to understand you know how google did things but it's it's also something that you can widely use the second one is uh, the culture code but uh, by daniel coyle a fascinating book again and the third one is uh, the trillion dollar coach by eric schmidt and jonathan rosenberg mm-hmm. it's a book about bill campbell the legendary coach and fascinating read lots that everyone can take away from that book thank you for your recommendations Prasad. i'm very happy to say i have read two of those three so uh, i am already taking myself something perhaps something for the weekend one of your recommendations well so finally just to wrap up very quickly if anyone wants to get in contact with you or follow you what is the best way for them to do it i'm both on linkedin and on twitter relatively active on both uh, so you know, look me up and uh, connect with me there Fantastic. Thank you very much for that. And I'm, I'm sure you'll have quite a few of those uh, new followers coming your way very soon. From my part, I just thank want you, to thank you again you. for your honesty, your your sharing your thoughts, your philosophy with us and, and your suggestions. And I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing you around. I know you're going to be in quite a few conferences coming up. I'm sure we'll bump into each other. Thank you so much, Prasad. Looking forward to Sergio. And thanks again for uh, having me on your uh, podcast. This was fun. It's my pleasure. Thanks. Before we close, as a reminder, show notes are available on the link in the episode description. So do click through to get a summary and related resources. We hope you liked the episode as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. And if you did, please do spread the word about our podcast and take a second to rate us five stars. Thank you for joining us today. This was Belinda with the XA Podcast. See you next time.